0: And so,, um, basically, Alex, first off, congratulations for calling. That was a wise move. Uh, thanks. Um, and that. also, congratulations for reaching a place so that you can get some momentum going and feeling like that you're on top of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what we're practicing here is getting on top of the world. But as you've already heard me talk about it, in the sense that we need to get on top of the world, our own world in seclusion to get our own mind together. Yeah. And when we get our own mind together, then we can go out into the world and see if we can keep that mind together while we're dealing with the ups and downs of other people's ups and downs.
1: Yeah, that's what I that's what I did. <laughs> I okay, my, I got my data.
0: Right, and uh, you can congratulate yourself for figuring out quickly that you couldn't handle it. Yeah. And there's no reason for you to continue to uh, to do that. I mean, there's so many examples. Sticking your hand in the fire is no cure for having stuck your hand in the fire before. (laughs) Yeah. Or as um, Mitch McConnell says, there's no education in the second kick of a mule.
1: (laughs) I don't know if I know that one.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, he's actually wrong. But I have seen. Not in not only in real life, years and years ago, but in recently, I have seen that uh, on videos. And mm. generally, the dog needs to get kicked twice. Mm. generally because the first time that the mule kicked, the mule wasn't watching carefully enough, but when the dog keeps bothering him, the next kick is going to be well placed. And there goes mm. that dog. <laughs> <laughs> and so um that's the whole point is uh and i use it in the expression the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune Mm. that you can see that stuff coming and learn to dodge it but you have to be able to see it coming and not dodge it in order to recognize the danger Mm. in it so that Mm. next time You can uh, see that kick coming, and you can stand out of the way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's what had happened, right? I I was dodging left and right. I was like, oh, oh, that missed me. This missed me. Look at that. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. This is great. And then all of a sudden, it's like,
0: oh, fuck. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes a knockout happens in the 15th round. You go 14 rounds and you've got it made, okay? And then that 15th round and we've gotten tired or whatever, and then. (laughs) What's
1: interesting is I talked to Dan this morning and he was like, Brother, you just got knocked out. You did great. You did great. You dodged this one and that one and this one and that one. You just got knocked out, though. You're on the ground. And I'm saying, Brother, come on, let's go, out of the ring now. And you're like, wait, no, Dan, come on, I want to give it one more shot. And your eye's bleeding. (laughs) And Uh uh, I didn't understand it. I really didn't understand it. And I I honestly, from his perspective, what he said that he was hearing is that I was trying to bargain. I was trying to find a way in which it would be wise for me to continue with this girl.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was,
0: I was right. Okay. Because
1: this time is different. This time I'm, is different.
0: <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And I must speak of, the, uh, about the wisdom of Dan that in fact, this, this point that we're making now about the bargaining or the figuring it out or whatever is actually part of Elizabeth Kubler Ross's, um. It's actually, um, this sequence is done in a book she calls on death and dying. It's about hospice. Hmm. When people figure out that they're going to die, what do they do between the time that they recognize they've been told, or they've been diagnosed or whatever until they're dead, what happens? Okay, there's a sequence of events that happen and some people never get to the full um, uh, issue. Mm -hmm. And the full issue would be complete acceptance that I'm dying and I'm dead. Yeah. Okay. But the first thing that happens is we get all pissed off. We don't believe it. We want a Mm -hmm. second opinion. Mm -hmm. We start uh, negotiating with the doctor. Well, what if I go to the gym? Yeah. Or why don't you take both the pancreas and the, the kidneys and the livers out? And maybe I'll survive that too. You know. So, right. but we we get into <laughs> without recognizing that some things are better left dying and dead because mm. everything dies anyway. Mm. Every person dies. Every relationship, therefore, dies. Every relationship dies. There comes a time when a son is no longer a son because mama's dead or he is. So when we recognize that that cycle is real, that it does happen, and that it's the cycle of samsara. And in the sense of that cycle, it's like the winning and losing. When we when we win, we're on top. And then when we lose, we're on the bottom. And then when we win we okay. But what happens with the way that you had gotten yourself into is you were feeling like you were losing a lot. And then you started on upon a Satya and you started winning a lot. Mm-hmm. And then you thought that, well, if I can win this one, I can win everything. And the answer to that is no. <laughs> but the skills that you developed in getting over one thing, will be the same skills that need to develop so that you can get over the next cycle, mm-hmm. the next death. Yeah. And from what you've told me about this relationship, it doesn't meet, or let us say the the people, the person involved with it, doesn't meet your moral standards. Mm. You mentioned that. Okay. We can go into details, but I thought that we'd just leave it at that. Cause you know what I'm talking about. Um, dating a married man, for instance, um, is not up to yeah. your moral standards. Yeah. Okay. Especially if you're the married man. Yeah. Who winds up in the hot water and losing a good relationship because you were piddling around with one that didn't exist. Okay, so you can see that from both sides and you can also recognize that. um, That you're probably not going to win this one, that, in fact, if she is doing those kinds of things, she's going to continue to do those kinds of things. And then not only that, but she's going to come back and brag to you about it. As a way of keeping dominance. And so you I calling.
1: Think, the, I don't think that's what she was doing. Well. At least it didn't. It, I couldn't tell. If it was. I couldn't tell. The attitude and spirit with which she was sharing this information. Didn't seem to come from. Uh, being superior. Or trying to assert her dominance over me.
0: But, well it may have been subtle. And it may have been uh, that uh, it was clearly obvious and you were still missing it. Mm. Okay. Mm. That as you said, that she was drinking, so I Mm -hmm. assume that meant that you were drinking too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Eric Byrne Byrne has two games that alcohol, uh, that are played with alcohol. I wouldn't call the people who were doing it. Alcoholics directly because there's other factors with that, but there's two games that, that play, that players drunk uh, drinkers play. One of them is drunk and proud. And the other one hmm. is lush. Hmm. And both men play both men and women play both parts. Okay, and not only that, but the lush, um, let us say, is the one who is crying in their beer. In fact, you can you can look at it in the sense of how the beer mug is hold, held, determines which game that they're playing. Mm-hmm. If it's down and they're looking into it, that's the lush. If they're holding it up above their head, that's the drunken proud. And, and more than likely, if she had not been uh, drunk, uh, but it's yeah. also possible sober, that yeah. she would play that game with you. The drunk and proud of, um, uh, look what I've been doing. Um, well, it's without- interesting
1: you say that, because a couple weeks ago, she had told me that she went out with a 42-year-old, but not that he was married. So it wasn't until last night, actually, that she told me he was married. And she said she didn't tell me because she thought that it would be too much for me to hear.
0: So, uh-huh. so she thought it would be too much to deal with. And you're yeah. ratting it out right now that it was too much for you to deal with. hmm hmm So maybe it was a drunken, proud kind of right. thing. Right. hmm So... Um, That drunk and proud uh, is an item uh, that when we recognize these games that we play when we are drunk should be enough for us to recognize that it's probably not a wise idea to get drunk. Yeah, yeah. That there's a whole lot of laws and rules and regulations against it is also um, uh, bad for our health. Yeah. And one item that's an, is- that's an issue with me is mm. that I don't like the taste. I don't like the taste of beer. I don't like the taste of wine. Why do people drink that stuff? It doesn't even taste good. Yeah. If you go for, a, um, let us say, a bar mixed drink, the reason that the bartender mixes the drink the way that <laughs> yeah. they do is to make it palatable so that you yeah. can stand the alcohol that's in it.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's the, It's the biggest joke. <laughs>
0: Um, on that particular note, looking at it from that position, <clears throat> people who are in war want to drink hmm. to get away from the war, and the time when they're hmm. most likely to get really super drunk is right before the battle, they know they're going to lose. Oh man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Down deep inside, they know that they're they're going to lose it. so that was what was happening with uh, the Russian army now is on a solid drunk this week.
1: <laughs> you know it's interesting you're saying all this because It's been very difficult to know other because we can only trust our direct experience, right? But It's been very difficult to know for sure whether or not she is being honest with herself when she says that she is not addicted to alcohol, right? That there's no addiction there, because what she'll say is that she's either
0: addiction doesn't exist or every human being is addicted. Those are right. the two possibilities. Oh, okay.
1: Right. Oh, for sure. And there's a spectrum within mm-hmm. all that. Right. Um, But she had expressed many times that she's just kind of doing things in moderation. But, you know, and and she's learning to drink less and not drink as much. And, And I feel like these past two months of not being in contact with her have allowed me to see all the ways in which I projected my own fear and insecurity on her. Um, And making it about the alcohol when really it was just about me. And so I could see, hey, I respect you. I have a deeper respect for you. Like, she loves bartending. I used to think she just likes bartending so she can be around the alcohol. Well, maybe she does. But the words that are coming out of her mouth is that she just enjoys talking with people, being with the people. She's good at it. We all like to do things we're good at. We all like to experience that success Uh and and winning, right? right?
0: I was about to mention that before you said it. And that is is when you said, oh, she likes to be around the alcohol. I was about to say that actually it's more likely that she likes to be around the people who are drinking alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. And here you come right out with it that, yes, that's the case. Yeah. Um. A good bartender will do two things. One, he'll become a psychologist, and two, he'll quit his job.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, she's going in deep. She's thinking of quitting her recruiting job that she has that pays her a salary and just working at another bar because she just would rather do that. Um, but anyway, we don't need to get all into the weeds of that. What I, what I was going to tell you, though, is last night we hung out. And it has always been pretty clear that she's more vulnerable and intimate when she's drinking. And what that brought up to me, that made me think of what you said about how people will drink before they're about to lose the battle, before they know they're going to lose the battle. And Mm -hmm. I think this losing battle for her is probably intimacy with me. It's like, hey this will make it easier kind of thing, but, um, it's, you said maybe it's best to just let things die to let the relationship die. Right. What does that, what does that actually look like?
0: Um, first off, how long have you been together? Probably about two years, huh?
1: We were on and off for like night. Foundation was terrible, Dom Rado. We started off as friends and I basically told her that I was unsure about her <laughs> in the very beginning. And then little do we know a year later, she's unsure about me. So in mm-hmm. a very weird sense, I feel as though I kind of created this for myself in a way, or at least created, uh, conditioned uh, the relationship to end the way it did. Okay,
0: well, um, we have, as humans, two competing um, instinctual systems. One of them is more natural and primitive. And the other one is normal because of culture that has built up in the past 10,000 years. So let's talk about it pre 10,000 years ago when we were hunters and gatherers, as opposed to what society has imposed upon us. If you can get those two distinctions, you'll see that progress that happens within each one of us. Okay. Okay. In ten thousand years ago, relationships between a man and a woman—the man—in the, man in the uh, back,ly it was mostly tribal, so that the child that was born belonged to the tribe more so than the than the father. But when the kid was old enough. The dad was proud of him to take him hunting that in fact, that was the rite of passage is to take the kid hunting because if the kid is able to do the hunting with the tribe, uh, with the men in the tribe, then he's the man. If he's Mm -hmm. too little to go hunting, then he belongs with mommies and children. Now, the point of it is, is that in primitive times, how old was a young boy or a man, a young man, when he first starts going hunting? Is it the age of 25? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Why is that? It's because 25 uh, is almost over the hill. Right, but if you <laughs> yeah. if you look at athletes, in fact, uh, it looks like that. Um, an example would be the 13-year-old girl who is a gymnast. Uh huh. Right. Okay. But we can go back earlier than that because we recognize that kids are put to work in the fields at the age of about six. In fact, the the age of six is why we start school is because the kid is old enough then to be ordered around, et cetera, like that, or he's smart enough to do things on his own. Okay, now that's an important point. If a six-year-old is capable of taking care of himself, then he doesn't need daddy anymore. And so uh, in the really, really primitive times, a relationship would last about six or seven years, and that was it. There was no mm. reason to have a marriage or a relationship after that. No, mm. what happened was society came in, and with society, the, the, uh, the understanding of ownership of land, ownership of property, ownership of kinfolks, and mm-hmm. daddy owns his daughter. That in Mm. fact, in India, the whole idea of the the dowry is the father comes by and says, you owe me all of this equipment because I raised this girl for you. Mm. Okay. And so dowries and purchase and all of that kind of came in. And so on the other side of it, oh, well, if you're going to sell this girl to me, she's mine permanently. She can't sneak back home. Mm. She's mine forever. Another one is, is that, oh, I don't want to catch any cooties from her. Mm. And she better not already be pregnant. Okay. So that's where the old idea about virgins came in. Mm. And now uh, the ones who are religious pick that up and start running with it. Okay. And so now Mm. we come up with institutions like marriage. And everyone in our society looks at marriage as all. Oh, it only works if it lasts and lasts and lasts and lasts. And that's not even normal or that it's not natural, a normal working marriage. Now, the next thing is, is that over time it, it, um, children wind up in a very primitive society at age six are quite capable. But in a complicated society, they need some complication and that complication takes years. Did hmm. at one time, the age of reason or the age of adulthood was 12 years old. This is the time of the bar mitzvah about uh, 2000 years ago. Um, n- then it became like a high school military. In fact, they want the kids Uh, At best, at about 16 to 18, Mm -hmm. because they're trainable. A 22-year-old is going to be slower in following orders. You can't intimidate a 22-year-old the way you can an 18-year-old. You Mm -hmm. cannot intimidate a 35-year-old nearly as well as you can an 18-year-old. And a 75-year-old man (laughs) is going to laugh at you. (laughs) Okay. You want me to do how many push-ups? <laughs> okay, so that's the thing is, is that over the period of time, the age of reason or the age of adulthood has changed and it's always been political in the sense of, uh, if I can get um, drafted at the age of 18, why can't I drink and why can't I vote at the age of 18? Well, an 18-year-old in our society is not mature. That's why they wanted to raise the gun age, because 18-year-olds can buy guns. And now we have all of this weaponry with all of these uh, uh, school shootings, school shootings. Why are they at the schools? Because it's the kids who are doing the shooting. And so raising the age to 21 is a way of doing it. But I think they ought to raise the age to about 35 when people are fully adults before (laughs) they can get a gun. I would I would put the, uh, the right
1: that's to a, that's a that's a good idea. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what we're looking at now is, is that you were caught in that area or the bind of recognizing when the relationship is over naturally, mm-hmm. but you're supposed to stay in the relationship because society tells you to. Mm-hmm. So look at that for yourself to recognize, do you, which, what are you crying over the breaking of the rule of how it's important to keep relationships or are you crying over the fact that a really good relationship is ending prematurely or is the relationship ending at the right time, but it's against the rules to do it that way.
1: I think it's something
0: in the middle. Okay, got got I elements of too. both of them, huh? You got both yeah, legs stuck into <laughs> on the bananas. I, I actually, I wouldn't. I
1: mean, there might be some cultural, you know, things in there because I mean, I guess in, in some to some degree that's kind of inescapable, right? Because that's kind of what I'm part of.
0: That's right. Atheist, but, in fact, in the West, when we talk about how uh, how Christianity has so much stuff in the culture, the atheist says, "Well, I'm not a Christian; they don't affect me." Hey, man, Christianity is the water we fish swim in. <laughs> and we don't even know how deep into that culture yeah. those uh, mores, traditions, uh, um, expectations, etc. Uh, sure. go to. Even if All you right. don't go to church, yeah. Um, actually, the ones who don't go to church are actually more affected by it than those who do.
1: Because those who
0: continue to go to church get permission somehow to get away with it. In other words, the rules that God set down to his children means that the children now are the ones who dispense the rules. And so they're going to dispense Mm -hmm. them around to the other people. Without following them themselves. This is why there's so many opportunities for preachers who will scream at from the pulpit yeah, about yeah. what people are supposed to be doing. And within a year, they're caught doing those things themselves.
1: Yeah. So in that regard, okay. you could say the same thing about people that go to church. That they're just as worse off as the ones that
0: don't. Mm-hmm. Now, well, here's one of the things then that's interesting. We know that. Um. Let us say it this way, because the evidence is this way. The research mm-hmm. has been done this way, count by county, county by county. And so the counties are then kind of listed as red or blue. And basically, the, it's not really the red or blue. Is what they're measuring is two things. One is they're measuring how much population of this county is religious and how much. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that they're taking from this county is the public records from the police and um, uh, uh, county services and all of that kind of stuff, and putting that data together. And this is what they have found: is is that uh, places that have very very low church attendance have very much better. Uh, society in the sense that it's the ones who go to church are the ones who drink. They um, fight, they get into bar scenes, they have automobile accidents, they have domestic Mm. violence, they do Mm. drugs, all of this kind of stuff. And then they go hop into the church and get forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And then they're Mm -hmm. back out on the street again. Mm -hmm. To where when someone's an atheist and gives up that Christian stuff, they begin to recognize, oh, I am responsible for myself. Yeah. I have to do it myself. I cannot go beating up my family because if I beat up my family, the cops are going to come and deal with me and I can't go pray that away. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the society's rules that Christianity sets down. Actually, then everybody is subject to that. It's built into our legal systems. Then in fact, that's what legislation is, is legislation is legislating morality. What else can it do? They say you you can't legislate morality. What are you going to legislate?
1: Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty dependent on that, huh?
0: Yes, right, exactly, especially penal codes. Especially penal is pe- penal. It's a, it's a, a, the word where the, the word prison comes out of. Penal, punishment. Okay? okay, rather than what we teach in Buddhism is rehabilitation, mm. not punishment. For sure. Yeah. Okay, is to rehabilitate. Now, uh, there's a difference between, let us say, in Thailand, between the government and the want. If someone Mm -hmm. goes into the want, he's going there to be rehabilitated. If he goes in jail, he's going there to get punished. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the difference. Uh, in, In Christianity, though, they go to the church to get permission. Mm -hmm. They go to get forgiveness. And so they get neither the punishment nor um, uh, the rehabilitation. Yeah. Uh, So with that, the way that we can take this information Mm -hmm. is to recognize that you do have this duality within you. The very, Mm -hmm. very primitive stuff are real genes are saying that the relationship is finished, it's over. The girl doesn't do the kinds of things that I would want to have someone around to do. Then in in fact, uh, she's not very mature. Okay, so um, with this understanding, you can easier let go Of the relationship instead of keeping the idea of, oh, I want a relationship or I should have or I deserve a relationship, which is actually much more of the society kind of thing.
1: Yeah, right. And actually, one thing I wanted to share is that I, these past couple months, I have gone out on dates and stuff and like just had fun and meet women, but. Gotta be honest with you, it's gotten to a point where I just I have no interest. I have no interest in other women <laughs> except <laughs> for the one I was in a previous relationship with. But even now I'm seeing that I can't have that. But I guess what I'm saying is since completing this time together again, I do not feel a propulsion to jump on a dating app and meet women again. I I have zero interest in it whatsoever.
0: Well, actually, uh, that's a very natural occurrence. Yeah. Be- and um, what we're looking at is is that in fact, when one becomes interested in the Dhamma. Yeah we start looking at how the uh, things fit in according to the Dhamma and we recognize then that many of the things that I have been doing don't cause uh, the satisfaction that I was looking for, that it causes dukkha instead, that it's a mm-hmm. mixed bag at best.
1: Mm-hmm. Mixed and when bag, we recognize
0: yeah. that things are a really mixed bag in there, that's when we begin to then weigh the advantages to the disadvantages.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, A a phrase that's used in business is a cost-benefit analysis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And so this is what we begin to do. This is wisdom, by the way, is to do that cost-benefit analysis, to look at the gratification that I was seeking. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't come purely by itself. It comes in a package called trouble. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, very when, much so. and, and when we see that, we're much more careful about who we choose to associate. Mm-hmm. With. Mm-hmm. That in fact, that's what um, uh, the Sangha is all about, is, is when we are looking for good people to associate with and we find right. each other. A lot of people who start to practice of meditation and whatnot, they uh, begin to feel alone because no one in their community uh, is interested in the realities of, of life. So everybody around is more interested in the social stuff of life. Yeah. Yeah. And so finding people <clears throat> who are <clears throat> worthy of your association yeah. Okay. This is, by the way, what the word arahant meant. The mm. word arahant does not mean some highfalutin Buddhist kind of term that so many of them have with this, 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 and this in order to qualify. The actual word arahant means to be worthy, worthy okay. of respect, worthy of okay. gifts, worthy of spending my time with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it's for you. I'm worthy of your time, and for me, you're worthy of my time. Right? Mm-hmm. So be sure that the people that you associate with are worthy of your time. Yeah. And getting drunk and listening to poor uh, either drunk and proud or poor me stories is not really your uh, a good time, good way to spend your time. Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't really drink much ever, honestly. I was just doing it because we were having a good time. And, you know, well, it is considered considered
0: celebration. You know, that's part of um, it. And guess what? That comes from Christianity. Mm. The celebration of the wine and mm-hmm. uh eucharist and uh all kind uh, uh the last supper and drinking the wine and all of that kind of stuff uh makes that now alcohol is special the next <laughs> thing that makes it special is we tell children oh you can't have it you're not old <laughs> enough yeah, which makes real. the kid want it more yeah yeah. In fact, if you give a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old a taste of beer and say, you, <laughs> you yeah. probably won't like this, and the kid says, yeah, I, I don't like this, and he'll yeah. be better off. But if you tell that same 8 or 10 or 12-year-old, oh, you can't have beer, now he wants it. Yep. And he'll drink it no matter how bad it tastes. Mm. So this is the way that our psychology or the way that society works puts us in a really really bad state the society is not there for the welfare and the benefit of any particular person yeah and therefore everybody yeah. in the society winds up suffering from it yeah that's good, good. and it yeah. looks like that those who are heirs to a fortune are the ones who suffer the most who who are what to the fortune? Heirs to a fortune. Daddy's got a lot of money. Daddy's the big money bags, which means daddy's the biggest asshole in town. Mm-hmm. And he's an asshole to his kids. And he holds that big money bag up and says, You do what I say, or you're not gonna get any of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um They want uh, the the kids and wind up being a Donald Trump. I heard about this from my um, high school Latin teacher. When she was teaching ancient Latin and uh, Roman culture, she pointed out that a father or a mother who wants power winds up destroying their children. But it's also possible for the grandfather or the grandmother to see how damage they did to their own kids and then their grandkids, they begin to uh, to treat really well. Mm. And so it Mm. is better then in a dynasty to skip a generation because Mm. the big tough dude, the emperor, is going to have an asshole for a son.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But he's probably going to have a pretty good
0: grandson. Yeah. All right. So um, there's not much reason to talk about this other than to recognize how much our society has screwed us up. Oh, for sure. And that we can, in fact, begin to recognize the difference between what you're supposed to do or what rules you are supposed to follow versus how you actually feel about this girl. And the way that you're yeah. feeling about the girl is is that you really don't want that much of her. <laughs> that's what I've gotten from you.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I like that you brought that up because I think that's kind of, you know, it'd be great if I could have some clarity around that because I think that's probably why I keep going back because there's not like a real solid clarity. But what I can tell you is when her and I are together, there is kind of just like this... It just seems, it seems at least, unless I don't know what love is, I think it's it's probably a mix of attachment and authentic love, that there is really just a deep care for her, a real just love <laughs> for her and a, and a genuine interest in, in, in her benefits.
0: That's you know. good. That's positive. I congratulate you on that. But instead of nozzling it down like a, um, uh, uh, a strong spray, like for a cleaning. What we want to do is open that valve and spread it all over. In other words, yeah. well, there's many ways to say it. One is love the one you're with Yeah. as opposed to wanting someone else over there. Go ahead and bring that up. That in fact, another way that we can talk about it. this part of the society is the whole idea of soulmate? The Christians right. go around saying there's some place out there is yeah. a girl for you, and the guys go around looking at every girl putting up against a model that he's got in his head. Yeah, for sure. That one of the things that I learned, uh, that was actually quite beneficial to me. When I was 14, uh, playing the piano, I got a recital piece. In fact, the teacher may have had this wisdom. She gave me a piece of music to learn to play. The name of it was, there's lots of good fish in the sea. The sea, there's lots of good fish in the sea. You know immediately what that means. It's sexualized, Mm -hmm. right? Stop thinking that someone is it. Yeah. Yeah. And instead recognize that there are a lot of good fish in the sea. Let's go find someone that fits in with um, the way that I think and the way that I look. But in fact, that's one of the reasons why I knew that the only way I was ever going to find a woman is by going to Thailand. Because Western women (laughs) don't think so. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But that came from a different...
1: Go ahead. can Can I ask you this? You know, she, I guess, like, the most difficult part about all this is she often has said to me, like, in this past week as we've hung out, is that even though she can't commit, even though she has a fear of intimacy, even though she wants to explore with other people, she says that no one holds a candle to me. She said she'll go out with other guys, and she won't want to do anything with them, and she'll just basically go home and cry and think about me. She hasn't had sex with anybody because she doesn't feel right doing that. Like, she only wants to be that way with me. And she thinks that eventually, when she's all kind of, she's gotten her experience and have seen clearly that there isn't greener grass on the other side, and she sees how good of a partner I am, that she'll eventually come back and you know, whatever want to be with me
0: and that's that would be possible mm-hmm. that's hard
1: to hear it's hard to hear because it well, it's great to hear but it's hard to hear because it's like well, but we're not together right now it, but i get it i get it it's just it's confusing for me because i am i'd say more or less available and um yeah i don't know it's just that's it. That's it. I guess my question for you would be, why do I keep going back to her? What is it that I haven't seen that keeps me going around in this dance?
0: Um, basically, because you have put so many thought moments into thinking about her, mm-hmm. that you ground a pathway in the mind, a neurological pathway that leads mm-hmm. directly to thoughts of her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the way that you're going to interrupt that is recognizing that every time that you begin to have a thought of her, you can say, I can change that. Mm-hmm. And I can come out of what I don't have and start looking at what I do have, like this moment, this breath. This is all we need. we're We're okay right now, okay? That's mm-hmm. the thing that we need to start doing is the anapanasati to remember to think about the things that you have rather than remembering to think about the things you don't have. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, we have already talked about Sadie Hawkins. Have we not? Do you remember Sadie
1: Hawkins? (laughs) Remind me.
0: Well, it's also the 29th of February. Girls' Night Out. It's girls' opportunity to dance with the boys. In fact, one of the students says, oh, they had a Sadie Hawkins dance when he was in high school. But the reality is is that the whole idea of Sadie Hawkins is the guys to start taking a more feminine role. And sit back and relax and wait and let the women do all the work. Mm. Reverse these roles because these roles are not natural. They're not in nature. They're not built into our genes. It's that that's the way that things are supposed to be done in our society. The boys are supposed to go after the mm. girls. The girls are supposed to play uh, coy. Mm. or hard, to get mm mm-hmm. okay that's by the way back into the christian stuff i mean this stuff has been around for so long mm. and all of this cultural stuff so what we can do is interrupt that game and sit back and wait for her but not wait for her but just, yeah. just go live your life, yeah, go live and, and, life. And, yeah. and take your life and take your mind off of her and let her have yeah. all of the mental machinations about the relationship so you know i told you
1: about these past two months right that's basically essentially what i did i just any thought i ever had about her i just would rest let it go that's why now. i
0: congratulated you for that yes
1: and it was great and then she came back Uh huh. <laughs> so my my question is like like have, have I just not done that enough, essentially, then? Just haven't let go of those mind moments enough such that when she came back, I was pulled back into familiar patterns and so on and so on? And yes, it
0: may just be but case, congratulate but, like, yourself for seeing that. Yeah. Okay, look That's at the nice bright side. side of life. Rather than pushing it yourself, oh, you got stuck in it again. Recognize, oh, wow, <laughs> I'm getting stuck in this stuff again. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. And then, never mind, starting in. Okay, Then, in fact, she pulled you in. You both got drunk. Now she's got a drunken crowd going, leaving you with well, nothing I but didn't get drunk. I didn't get drunk. <laughs> I did not get drunk. No, but she did. Yeah. That's yeah. what you said. Yes, yeah, and did. And then that's when she pulled out that she was uh, playing around with married men, which is a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah. More dangerous for him than for her because she's got less to lose. Yeah. But she ought to have the moral respect for this guy to say yeah. no.
1: Well, she did. And then they went out anyway.
0: Two weeks. Later, mm. she, but. Okay. So maybe she needs to see a disaster. Yeah. For her to get, get the point that that's not um appropriate behavior but it was also not appropriate behavior to advertise that she had done that to you yeah I can see that
1: yeah I mean she had I remember she had said after that she was like she was saying things like See, it's about personality to me. Like he, he acted like he was young, like he was twenty, and I, and I like that. So, if, who knows? Like, if I came across a seventy-year-old and they had a similar personality, yeah, I might kiss them. She was saying things like this, and I was like, "Wow." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think what I've done, Don Murato, is basically, anytime I notice. Anytime I notice a potential like incompatibility, for instance, that thing that she said, right? I have a tendency to see it as like, whoa, I didn't like that. But then I use that as practice, like, oh, there, just let go, just rest, that's fine.
0: That's right. That's right. But, You're learning. Keep going. That's it. Uh huh.
1: But is it is it also the case though that? some things like i think what we're what you're pointing to here is that like there's a maturity difference or like you said she shouldn't have been advertising that is it also the case that no matter how much i can accept things as they are no matter how much we can rest from our own opinions and dislike of points of view of what we have towards someone it doesn't mean necessarily that that's the end-all be-all that uh, essentially sometimes it's just not a good thing, maybe. It's just not a good thing to be with someone that does things like that or says things like that or, you know.
0: Right, exactly. What is that?
1: Is, is, is mm-hmm. that is My that, mother knew that
0: right? also and warned me about it. But she was only looking at it in the sense of education. I have a high school dropout and someone with a master's degree she would see is not a good match. Okay, but we can refine that to understand it in the sense of wisdom rather than education. The wisdom of life and you're gaining a lot of that with your your practice and associating with uh, a sangha and other things like this to where she has no spiritual guide at all. She's got no spiritual practice or she's got no self-improvement things going on. She's still out what you would say experiment. She is with I, a therapist, but she sees them once a month. So,
1: But but it's good. She is in therapy. So.
0: Once a month. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's because it's so expensive. That's why she hasn't done it more. But
0: right. I understand. And th- and psychiatrists are, and psychologists are really good with that. That means that yeah. I mean that's oh uh, once a month. Got a client for the next thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's good is he is he is
1: really familiar with Buddhism and stuff, and he's. Uh, been practicing it for years as well it's been a big part of his practice so I think that's good but I think you're right I I think you're absolutely right that there is a there is a big mature a big maturity difference a big gap in our understanding of mm-hmm. life and of ourselves um which yeah I guess that is bound to cause complications isn't it hmm yeah. I just, I just wish Amarato, I could just see plainly and clearly like, oh, I'm not going to get into that anymore. I'm good. <laughs> that would be great. Right. I, I just haven't seen it yet. And I, and I, I, I feel I like I'm,
0: and I I'm would rather see Convince myself. I would rather you see, and uh, the, the fact that everything is in a cycle. Hmm. Seeing the cycle is what's going to help us get out of the cycle. So you got to yeah. keep seeing those cycles over and yeah. over and over again, begin to see that stuff up, down, mm-hmm. up, down, up, back, down, forth, up, down. in, out, you know, the whole show,
1: yeah. everything. <laughs> 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 oh, and Hey, that's another thing, right? I have never experienced a more like amazing connection during sex with another person and she actually said the same thing to me like no more greater like she's very okay it's like we just completely melt into each other and that, that's a hard thing to let go of too
0: i know i know great sex is part of the promise of our society if you buy enough makeup and buy enough expensive clothes and do uh you know take her to the nicest restaurant then the sex will be great when you recognize that ejaculation is just ejaculation and that you feel better after you do it rather than while you're in it. that they call it a sex drive because it drives us around. You're not in control. Your gonads are. And there's so much that's talking about that. Which head are you thinking with, you know? So that's the whole idea is to thinking that great sex means the relationship is great. It's not true at all. Mm -hmm. Generally, great sex happens when we haven't had it for a long time. And so they won't recognize that it's ordinary. But if you have great sex every day, what's the great? (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Well, what if it's not driven purely by just trying to ejaculate, that it's really, there's like some kind of There's like a real, like, I don't like, I guess I experience being when I'm in sex, engaging in sex with her last couple of times we've had sex. It's like, I don't see her as a separate or like as an other. It's almost like as an extension of Mm -hmm. myself. And like, we like. Well, they talk about it like that
0: as a union. Okay. Yeah. And that you are together there in the same uh, mental state of love. Okay. Being in love and in a loving relationship is what it gives the best part of the feeling. And then we add that to the sex. Yes. Yes. All right. So recognizing that you can have that experience with many, many different kinds of people. You can relate to many kinds of people. There is a lot of good fish in the sea, and not all of them are trout. Okay. Okay. So, um, yes, sex with her was good. That doesn't mean anything. Okay. That, in fact, uh, there's another side of it. And that is that the very, very best sex is after an argument. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that one?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Why? Because they have been unhappy and uh, dissatisfied. And mm-hmm. now they resolved it in their longing. And now they come together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rather than just having ordinary sex. Now they've come together and having sex. So that. Uh, uh having sex after a big argument is something that uh, is well known in our culture too, because sex is really good, but it's good not because of the sex. It's good because of the union that they have yeah. after the uh, the the argument, okay.
1: I would say that I think my angle in this is that I experience the the most depth of vulnerability. <laughs> with her and from her during sex not outside of it so in conversation it's not it's rarely ever there it's it's usually
0: in sex okay all right so that's probably why there's an issue all right okay knowing now that that's an experience but that in general that there are other experiences to have that you in fact can go for that intimacy with your relationship with people rather than sexual yes yes what well, okay. i
1: I've, I've wanted to have that with her and she she's not there
0: right she's not there right so she's still immature in that regard um, of not recognizing that the the real relationship is not in the bed. A, ma- a real marriage is a connection between two people where they uh, uh, they speak the same language so well together they don't yeah. even have to talk. That in yeah. fact, Tam and I will look at each other in a particular way and both of us will just burst out laughing. We do not have to have the word between <laughs> them. We know what's going on. Okay, that's that's a connection. All right, but it gets started with sexuality. But in the case that you've got, it's just remaining there that you don't really have that really deep connection with her. Yeah, but you can't
1: except for when she typically, after a night of drinking, she'll come to me and she's more vulnerable and more. Intimate and Mm. sharing herself and crying, and then I hold her, and
0: right, that's the lush, that's the lush, (laughs) yeah. Uh huh. And a lot of people need to get into that uh lush state with the alcohol in order to have that intimacy, Mm. Mm. it is an invitation. So, the alcohol is an invitation into intimacy, but you're now recognizing, I think, that. Alcohol is unnecessary to have intimacy.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I. I. Alcohol is one of the last things on my list when I consider. What intimacy is or where it's derived from.
0: Yeah. You'd be surprised that most intimacy in the West is fueled by alcohol.
1: Oh, yeah, man. It's it's nuts. I know.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty, <laughs> and so pretty are, crazy. by the way, bar fights. Almost all bar <laughs> yeah. fights are fueled by alcohol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Alex, I think that we've come to a good place that we know what's going on. I've given you a lot to think about.
1: Yeah, uh, it it was really nice just to get to talk to you. Just um, you know, I. I appreciate you and, and look up to you a lot and, and see you as a, as a father figure. So it was nice to just kind of just let my emotions melt into our conversation. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it, man. I, I got the sad sometimes, <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay.
0: You can handle it. There's a lot of good in to see out there. You keep your eyes open, know what's yeah. good. There.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be with anyone right now. I don't want to go out. I don't want to. I don't care. The juice is not worth the squeeze.
0: The the lots of good fishing to see mentality is a good reason to not have to go fishing. Yeah, good. When you think that it's really, really special and there's not enough fish out there, I got to go get mine. But when you understand, there's a lot of good fishing to see. That's a good reason to not go fishing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't have to worry about dinner. <laughs> it's taken care of.
0: <laughs> All right, Alex, we'll see you later.
1: All right. Thanks, Appreciate uh-huh. you.
0: All righty. Bye
1: bye.